If you have your Bibles, would you turn this morning to Numbers chapter 13, uh, page 130 in the Pew Bible. I had a minister one time ask me if how many people we had in church. This was when we were pastoring. Um, I was associate pastor to a church in Austin, Texas. And I told him, I said, I don't know, I don't count. And I still don't. And he said, why not? And I said, well, number one, God told David there was three things he couldn't do. And one of them was he wasn't supposed to number the people. And I said, number two, did you ever read the book of Numbers in the Bible? You need to read it. It didn't come out very good. So I don't count people. I don't even worry about them. But we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13 this morning. The Bible is full of stories of objects and incidents that are known as types and shadows. A good example is Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark is a type of Christ. In other words, up until the time that it rained when Noah was in the ark, the Bible said it had never rained on the earth. And so Noah went around and told everybody it was going to rain as he was building the boat. They didn't believe him and they laughed at him. But those who believed Noah went into the ark and when the earth was destroyed by water, they were saved. Well, that's a type of Christ. You see, we were scheduled to die because there's going to be a judgment at the end of time. But Jesus Christ, the Bible says that when we make a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we are in Christ, and therefore we are saved from death. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, In the New Testament, Jesus refers to leaven as a type of sin. Why? Well, because a little bit of leaven or yeast affects everything it's put in. Sin not only affects the sinner, but affects everybody around him. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, when talking about the sacrifices in the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats for the sin of the people, The Bible tells us that those were a shadow of things to come. Of what? Of Jesus' dying on the cross and shedding His blood for our sins. Because the blood of bulls and goats, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, couldn't take away sin, it pushed it forward a year. It was a shadow of Jesus who was to come and die on the cross for our sin. And the story that is, this narrative that is related in number chapter 13 is, is a type of the life that many Christians live today. And I want to share it with you in, in hopes that it will help you in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and in your Christian walk. Now as we go into Numbers chapter 13, let me set it up for you a little bit. Let me give you some background. The year is somewhere between 
1491 and 1490 BC. The children of Israel have left the bondage of of Egypt and they've been on the march for a little over a year and they are now at the entrance to what's known as the promised land. Now the promised land was something that 70 years prior to this time God had given a promise to Abraham and to his descendants which the children of Israel were. And God had promised them a land of their own, abundant in food, a land that they could take possession of, and God would be with them and He would help them if they would just listen to Him and obey His instructions and serve Him. But the problem was, the children of Israel didn't always, as children sometimes do, the children of Israel didn't always listen and obey God, and and when they didn't, They found themselves on the losing end of battles. They found themselves back in captivity again. But now here they are at the edge of the promised land. And it's a land that's rich and and, and fertile. And it was a land that they could go in and eventually live in in peace. But first they were going to have to take possession of the land. And they were going to have to drive out the enemy who lived there. But God had even given them a promise. God had even given them a promise that, listen, when you go in to take the land, I'll be with you. Nobody will be able to stand before you. Now that's where we are in Numbers chapter 13. And I'm going to start in verse 1 and I'm going to skip around a little bit because I know you don't want to know all about uh, the tribe of Asher and Sethar and all of those. So starting in uh, Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Let's drop over to verse 17. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, and whether the land is fertile or barren, and whether there are forests there or not. And be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Okay, so let's drop over to verse 25. And now these spies returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the children all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran by Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And by the way, the Bible tells us they cut down a branch of grapes and there were so many and it was so heavy that they had to put it on a pole and carry it between two men. That's how big, that's how much fruit there were. Then the spies told him and Moses and Aaron in the congregation and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it truly has an abundance of the food, and this is its fruit. 
Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Zebudites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites, man, that was quite a sight, all those people, dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw giants, the descendants of Enoch, And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. It sounds to me like they had quite an interesting spying out of the land. And I think the key to it is probably verse 32 where it said, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. That's the mindset of the people. Now, this was the people whom God had brought out of captivity of the most powerful nation at that time in the known world, Egypt, and he had done so in a very dramatic fashion. I mean, to start with, he had had ten plagues, the last of which took the firstborn male of every Egyptian that was in the land, including the kings. And they couldn't do anything to stop it. And when the magicians and the soothsayers tried to compete, there was a time when Moses threw his staff down and it turned into a serpent. And the soothsayer and the magician said, well, we can do that. And they threw their staff down. And the Bible says... The snake and and their staffs turned into snakes and Moses' snake came along and ate theirs. In other words, God just showed himself strong. And then when the children of Israel did leave Egypt out of bondage, the Bible says they didn't leave poor. The Bible said there wasn't one sick or lame among them and God had given them a favor with the children of Israel so that the children of Israel just showered them with money and, and jewels. And the people were led by a cloud by day to keep the intense heat off of them and a fire by night so that the desert cool air didn't make them uncomfortable. And when they came to the Red Sea, they didn't have to build rafts. God parted the Red Sea and they went across on dry land. And when Pharaoh's army, which was the greatest army in the known world at that time, decided to pursue them and and kill every one of them, God took care of them by letting the sea just come on on in. And while they were on this journey, God supplied them with bread called manna. And when they got tired and complained about that, God gave them quail. And then when they ran out of water and they came to a water hole and it was bitter, God miraculously made it sweet. And when there was no water, God provided water from a rock. 
And He gave them a government so that they could live with themselves. He gave them a moral, civil, and ceremonial law. And He gave them the Ten Commandments so that they could live with peace among themselves. And God did all these things for them. And now on the verge of... And He did this for a whole year on the verge of entering into their own land that was promised by God. They balk. And they doubt God's promise And they back out of entering the promised land because something's not to their liking or they see something that is not the way they thought it should be. Interesting story. The promised land is a type. It's a type of many a Christian's life today. And I think... In the next few moments, you're going to see how the journey of the children of Israel parallels the way many Christians live today. Perhaps something in your life. Now when I talk about Christians, I'm talking about people who are born again. I'm talking about people who if they died, they'd go to heaven. But just like the children of Israel... There are a lot of Christians today who are failing to walk in their quote-unquote promised land. Now let me explain that. A promised land to a Christian, a Christian's promised land, is the place in that Christian's life where they are beginning to walk in the benefits that God has provided for them through Jesus Christ. And understand, there are benefits. Well, I can go to Psalm uh, 103 and just name a few. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, who redeems our life from destruction, who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies my mouth with good things, so that my youth is renewed like eagles. That's just to name a few. Let's take a look at some of the similarities between the children of Israel's journey and maybe the life of a Christian. First of all, the children of Israel had a covenant with God. It was given to Abraham 70 years prior to this, and you can read about it, don't do it now, but you can read about it back in Genesis chapter 12. Christians have a covenant with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 25, when we're taking communion... We celebrate that there, where it says when we take uh, the juice, it says, this is the, this is the blood in my covenant. Well, let me read it to you. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25 says this. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Christians today, we have a covenant with God. Uh, Look at Hebrews chapter 7 verse 22. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. And it goes on and it says that his blood, Jesus' blood is the guarantee of a better covenant. The old covenant was based upon the blood of bulls and goats. The new covenant is based upon the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The children of Israel were a chosen people. So are Christians. You don't believe me that you're a chosen individual? 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, uh, a royal priesthood, a holy people who belong to God. You were chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 By your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are now sons of God. Verse 29 of Galatians. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's decision and heir as God promised. So understand that we're a chosen people. Did you know that? You're special to God. The children of Israel were delivered out of bondage. So are Christians. You don't believe me? Go to Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. It tells us that God has delivered us, delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. When you made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in Excuse me, in reality, God took you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you into the kingdom of His Son. Roman tells us that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, when you receive Christ as your Savior, you make a profession of faith. You're in Christ, the Bible says, has made us free from the law of sin and death. And Romans 8.14 says that we're no longer in bondage to sin. Children of Israel, delivered out of bondage. As Christians, so are we. The children of Israel had God's promise to supply all of their needs. Do you know what? So do we as Christians. Philippians, the writer of Philippians, Paul the Apostle Paul says this, The same God that takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which He has given to us in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 32 says this, Since God did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us anything? Give us all things? 2 Corinthians 9 8 God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need in plenty left over to share with others. In other words, do good works. Children of Israel had the promise of God to supply our needs. So do we. The children of Israel had the promise of God's protection. Did you know we do? The Bible tells us that we are not only more than conquerors through Him who loves us, but Psalms 91 tells us that He has given His angels charge over us and they keep us in all our ways. And in Hebrews, we are told, the writer of Hebrews says this, that the angels, which he calls ministering spirits, are sent to go out and work on our behalf. I mean, that's a lot of similarities. As you can see, there are a lot of similarities between the children of Israel and their journey to the promised land and the promises that that we have from God for us living down here on earth. 
Listen, being a Christian is more than, than having a place in heaven in the sweet by and by. I mean, that's wonderful and we need to look forward to that. But God also, just like He took care of the children of Israel on their journey, listen, God's taking care of us on our journey. And so often, like the children of Israel who looked into their promised land and saw that there were giants and, 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 and they didn't want to enter the land, they forgot the promises of God. Many Christians today are, are not living in the wonderful things that God has for them because they see as if it were giants in their lives. What do I mean by giants? Well, unlike the children of Israel whose giants were real people, giants in a Christian life most often don't represent real people, although there are times that real people can be a, quite a giant. But instead, giants in our life represent those things in our life that keep us from going forward in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the giants in the land, the children of Israel's lack of faith in God to take them into the land that was promised them, it cost them. As a matter of fact, it's interesting God said to Moses, this group of people that have rejected me will never enter into the promised land. He said, they're going to wander in the wilderness until a whole new generation comes up. Except for Caleb and Joshua who brought in a good report and trusted me. And it cost them. In church, there are many Christians today who are missing out on, on the promises of God for their life while they're living down here on earth. And it's sad because they're not only missing out on the wonderful things that God has for them, but they're missing out on a relationship with the Heavenly Father and His Son. And as much as I love my wife, and as much as she is dear to me, I want you to know that that relationship with the Father just is beyond what I could even imagine. And I'm, I'm not saying that the promised land is a, a nirvana or a, a Shangri-La where a place where you never have any problem. That's not what I'm saying. But it's a place where you began to know the presence of the Lord in your life on a daily basis. And you don't become squirrely or, or act weird or anything like that. It's just a place where the promises of God began to come. And the presence of God comes into your life. I guess my question this morning what are the giants in your life? And I don't have time this morning 
But next week I want to share with you some of the giants that I've seen in the lives of people that make people struggle. Listen, God loves you. You are so precious to Him. Just as God time and time again, and when the children of Israel would mess up and God would bring them back, God is a God of second and third and fourth chances and He loves us. And His desire when you received Christ as your Savior was not just in the sweet by and by, but was to help and strengthen you here on earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning. And Lord, there may be people within the sound of my voice here this morning in church or on the podcast or on the CD. And Lord, all of a sudden they realize that maybe there's some things in their life that is keeping them from from receiving the fullness of what you have for them, from entering into that relationship with you or having your presence in their life on a daily basis. Lord, your desire is that we know these things. Lord, I just ask as this week goes by that you would prepare our hearts so that your Holy Spirit can speak to us. Your desire for us is not that we made a profession of faith in your Son and then we're on our own. No. Your desire is that you come and you said you're going to inhabit our place, live within us, And you'd be our God and we'd be your people. And so, Lord, I would just ask in the name of Jesus, you'd speak to our hearts. Show us what do we, what can we do to enhance our relationship with you? Began to receive the benefits that you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.